Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. Father, we're grateful that you have brought us together once again. You've kept us from last Monday this time over to the present. Miles, hours, experiences, circumstances, risks, challenges, opportunities, privileges, all those things have befallen us from last Monday to this. But through them all, you have been constant. You have been consistent. You're the unchanging, unchangeable God. You're the same yesterday and today and forever. And we thank you so much for all that you are and for all that you have done and all that you're doing right now in our lives. And I ask, Father, that you would guide the people of God, guide each person who is a part of this session, guide us in such a way that we will walk in the ordered steps, that we will fulfill divine purpose that we will be those who make every moment count, that we realize that we are stewards of every resource. And you told us, teach us, the psalmist wrote, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Help us to be sensitive to the passage of time and help us to be wise managers of the passage of time. We pray concerning every profession that is represented here this morning, whether these individuals are at work or at home or between work and home or working from home, whatever their status is, I ask that you would cover and keep them, Lord, and I pray for their families as well. I pray for their young ones. I pray for their siblings. I pray for their parents, those who have parents who are living. I pray, oh God, for their spouses, I pray for all of their connections, Lord, that your will will be done and that your grace will rest in every environment. Thank you, Spirit of the living God, for being our teacher. We acknowledge you and we depend upon you. Without you, we are nothing. Without you, we can do nothing. Be thou glorified. Be thou glorified. Be thou glorified. Supply every need in every life that we might continue to make our boast in the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have looked at the fact that August does not have a lot of heavy observances. The month of August does not have a lot of heavy observances. Um, It does have some interesting ones, some that are a little whimsical. For example, it's admit you're happy month, it's golf month, picnic month, romance, Romance Awareness Month, that's heavy. Um, then there's Water Quality Month, that's certainly heavy. Uh, last week was Simplify Your Life. This week is Smile, National Smile Week. Next week is Friendship Week, and the fourth week is Be Kind to Humankind. All right, then today, International Cat Day, that will be C-A-T, International Cat Day. Some love them, some hate them. 
But anyway, that's the day today. Tomorrow, Book Lovers Day, August 11th, Son and Daughter Day, um, Friday, National Kool-Aid Day. We talked about Kool-Aid a little bit this morning, and it occurred to me, I hadn't thought about it until I, I looked at the observance. I don't think I've drunk Kool-Aid in some years, but I had a number of witnesses um, who, who who knew what I was talking about? Um, not not that pre-made uh, Kool-Aid that comes in a little canister, but I'm talking about the flat pack that had the picture of the Kool-Aid man on there and and, and the color based on what flavor it was. And uh, Overseer Wyatt sent me a a text with great the great pack. That was the pack that uh, I tended to use the most. We tended to cut up a few lemons and put it in, in it, and and whatever the container was, be it a pitcher or a jar, stir it up, usually with some sugar remaining at the bottom. I, I don't know if that's the way it worked in your house, but that's the way it worked in ours a bit. Uh, National Vinyl Record Day. Some of us can go further back, far enough back to remember vinyl records. LPs and 45s, you know, 33, 45, and there was even a 78. Now, the 78s were about gone when I came through, but I do remember the 78. All right. Uh, World Elephant Day. Let me get back over here. Um, then Saturday is Left-Handers Day. Left hand, All of us who are left-handed, it's our day. One day out of a 365-day year. That's about right, though. We do tend to be left out. Uh, Middle Child's Day and National Garage Sales Day. And then Sunday is VJ Day. That is the day on which Japan surrendered in World War II and brought that, that great war to an end as it relates to the United States in particular. And, and the whole, quote, world that was involved. All right, then. Uh, but those are the observances. That's Those are the observances. Pastor Wardlaw says tropical punch was his flavor growing up. Pastor Thompson said black cherry Kool-Aid is the flavor. And Chaplain Richardson says black raspberry lemonade. Now, I don't mean to harm, but I think all of you are too young. All of you are too young to, to know about. <clears throat> See, when I came through, all they had was great. All they had was great cherry and um uh, there might have been a fruit punch, but I think I think all of you are, are, are telling your age, telling how young you are. <laughs> oh my! Brother Robert says he still has his. Brother Robert Johnson says he still has collection. Yes, sir. Vinyl record. They're classics. They're classics. Uh, Minister Veronique. Yes, Lord. Left Handers Day. That's about all they give us. Sister Connie Davis. That's all they give us. Brother Parker said he made some yesterday. All right then, Brother Parker. <laughs> Lord, Sister Hill said you mix lemon, I mean, uh, ginger ale in it. Is that right? Okay. I hadn't, I hadn't had that one. I hadn't had that one. Okay. Brother Newman said original cherry. There it is. <laughs> Elder Campbell says red. That's good, good, good. Sister Javita Johnson, you don't know anything about Kool-Aid. You don't know anything about Kool-Aid. <laughs> that was for deep country people. Uh, uh, 
Everyone in the crowd, in the family's left hand, except Pastor Crouch. My goodness, my goodness. Okay. Now somebody says lefties are peculiar. I hope you mean that in a good sense. Okay. All right. All right. All right, then. So we've, Brother Wilson said they used to mix them. Yes, sir. I think I did a little bit of mixing too, Brother Wilson. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I tell you what, <clears throat> I appreciate the uh, the extensive and intensive um, Kool-Aid conversation. All right. Uh, Bishop Knight has shared with us um, that there is um, registration available. General admission is free. And uh, so look at that. I'm going to leave it up for just a moment. Brother Calvin Jones, you telling your age, you, you, you're too young. Watermelon. They hadn't invented watermelon. <laughs> when I came through as a child, they hadn't invented that. They hadn't thought that deeply yet. You're telling your age, Brother Jones, you're a young man. You're a very young man. Now, uh, <clears throat> uh, says Johnson, you're going too far. Green Kool-Aid with a honey bun and bologna and cheese. Now, you're starting to sound country. You're starting to sound like <laughs> That's good. That's good. Dr. Mosby, that's right. Grape was the one. Brother Covington said red was the one. That's all right. That's all right. And then Calvin Jones said lemonade. Now, is that lemonade flavored Kool-Aid, sir, or is that lemonade as distinct from? Okay. All right. New York City drank Kool-Aid as well. Okay. All right. You know, I was thinking this morning, I was thinking this morning, um, I don't know about I don't know about all cultures. Well, I, I suspect it's true for all cultures. Matter of fact, I've studied a little bit, and I think it is true for most cultures, English-speaking cultures at least. Probably true for um, some other cultures too. Studied a little Spanish, and it seems to have been the case that we have a way among the common people. We have a way to um, to. Uh, change words colloquially dialectically we have a way of just changing words up we we have a way of introducing what's referred to as corruptions and and uh, intrusive terms or intrusive sounds Here, here's an example of an intrusive sound this this state in which i sit south carolina there's some people any word that has sort of an open schwa sound at the end they they add they they add the r to it so south carolina becomes south carolina that that's that's intrusive totally totally unnecessary totally nowhere on the nowhere written but that's it carolina okay well i was thinking about kool-aid about our distinct was there and and i remember I remember, I don't know if it was true everywhere, but I remember that there were those of us, we dropped the D off it. It was just Kool-Aid. It was <laughs> not not many people that I knew said Kool-Aid. They said Kool-Aid. Do I have any witnesses? Was there anybody? <laughs> Kool-Aid. And then and then there was another version of it. Uh may not have heard this one quite as much, but Kool-Aid. 
like ginger ale. And, and don't tell me we don't do it because as terrible as this pandemic is, and I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. I was just waiting. I didn't know how it would fall, but I knew it was going to happen. As terrible as this pandemic is, people in the neighborhood all over talking about COVID. I don't know where they got the extra C and or K from, but I knew it was going to, I knew sooner or later it would be COVID. I, I knew it'd be different. And, sh and sh here it is, COVID. We, we have a way. Language is one of the most picturesque, is one of those fascinating aspects of a culture's existence. Um, all of these, believe it or not, all of these things are things that pertain to, uh, all of these are things that pertain to professionalism. Because as professionals, one of the things that we must do is manage language. The way we manage or mismanage language can determine our success or lack thereof. It can determine how we are perceived, how we are received the whole night. I, I'm going to read a few more of these comments and then we're going to go into the lesson. But you all have really um, caused me to, to, to smile a bit this morning. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Horn said, uh, uh, let's see, straw grape aid, a straw <laughs> All right, Pastor Horn, I see you. Okay, uh, was that was that Kool-Aid or Kool-Aid? In our area, it was Kool-Aid. No, no D was necessary. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, Sister Hamlin, Minister Hamlin said you, you all said Kool-Aid. No, in our area, we, we dropped the D. Maybe it was too hot. Maybe it was too hot. You know, down here in the summers. It's too hot to be using all these extra letters. So just call it Kool-Aid. Find the D when you can. Elder Campbell said in Philadelphia it was Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, my, 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 my. All right. All right. I'm not going to let you all carry me all the way through this now. That's enough. That's enough. But um, have you noticed that we have a sin yet? Have you noticed that we have a talk dirty about anybody yet? Have you noticed we haven't gotten into gossip and maligning and backbiting? It is possible for us to enjoy one another and to be humorous. Humor is a gift from God and yet not get into anything that has to violate one's conscience or that offends God. Isn't that great? And we need to know it. Sometimes as professionals, you need to change the subject. Maybe things are getting a little bit too heavy. Maybe things are getting a little bit deep in the wrong sense. And you might need to uh, talk about Kool-Aid and change the change the, the aura. All right. Listen, we have been talking about the assignment. All of us who believe that there is a God who is the creator believe that uh, he created us with an assignment. He created us with purpose. And we've been looking at the life of John the Baptist. We've been looking at the life of John the Baptist as a, as a model, as a 
character study. I think that Bishop Lambert and I compete with using Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written for time, or whatsoever things were written for time, were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And it's a necessary take. The reason why we use it so much is because when we start talking about Old Testament and all those kinds of things, it doesn't mean that we're not conscious of being New Testament people. When Paul made that statement, he was talking about the Old Testament. The New Testament was still in formation. He was talking about the Old Testament writings. And he said, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, our instruction. And so when we look at the life of uh John the Baptist said, well, he's in the New Testament. Well, he is in the New Testament part of the Bible, but he's still an Old Testament man. He's an Old Covenant man because the, the, the New Covenant is only instituted by the blood of Jesus Christ being shed, and his blood at that time had not been shed for our redemption. John is a wonderful character study, and John shows us how a man or a woman can walk in the understanding of his or her assignment, divine assignment, divine purpose, divine function. That's God's will. John the apostle wrote in John chapter 1 concerning John the Baptist. John 1.19, and this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. Then said they unto him, who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Esaias. Now, the reason why they were asking John who he was is because of what he was doing. What one does testifies as to who one is. What one does testifies as to who one is. One's fruit attests to one's root, all right? And the fruit is the thing that attracts attention. The fruit. Actually, the leaves, the flowers, the fruit, the leaves, the flowers, the fruit, the leaves, the flowers, the fruit, they attract attention. And when your life begins to attract attention by means of your lives, uh, your leaves, rather, your flowers and your fruit, someone is going to ask, who are you? What you are doing is making impact from Whence does that impact derive? What is the root that is yielding such fruit? Now, if you're not doing anything, if you're not making impact, don't be surprised if you're not being challenged in terms of who you are. Now, Satan can also challenge you as to who you are so that you won't begin to make an impact. But by the time people begin to question who you are, it is typically because you are doing something that is, is, is noteworthy 
and the doing is the fruit of the being, what one does testifies to who or what one is. And so John is being asked who he is because he's, he's garnering so much attention. He's gaining so much influence. People will begin to notice you as you begin to make impact. Don't be worried by, by that. Don't be bothered by that. Don't stumble over that. Don't be offended by that. It's natural that when your life begins to make impact, that people will become concerned about people who never cared. All right? What you do cast a reflection upon who you are, hopefully a positive light upon who you are. You know, I heard uh, Pastor Marvin Winans tell a story. Um, Pastor Marvin Winans tell a story about uh, having gone to a school reunion, class reunion, and he said that there were some ladies there who were his apparently classmates, peers, so forth. And he said some of them remarked to him, ooh, we always thought you were so cute. In other words, you were so special. And he said they were lying. They were lying. See, what, what makes them make that comment now, what he's observing is what's making, causing them to make that comment now is that what he has done has caused them to take a different kind of look at who he is. His doing has caused them to have another perspective of his being. And, and, and as people sometimes do, um, they begin to rewrite history. They begin to revise the narrative. Oh, I always knowed you were going to be somebody special. I always, I could see, I told Essie, Essie, that boy gonna be something one day. That girl gonna be something one day. And many times, you know that's not the real story. You know that's not the true story. But because of the impact of your doing, your doing has a way of casting a positive reflection on your being. Because what one does testifies to who one is. And so if what one has done is so beautiful and it's so excellent and so desirable, then after a while, we begin to rewrite the narrative and say, you always were beautiful and desirable. Mm, not necessarily. Okay. You don't have to disrespect people to know that they come, they do sometimes rewrite history. Sometimes they write rewrite history because you have become successful what they consider successful and what others consider successful. Sometimes they rewrite history because they think they're getting ready to die and they want to be able to meet God in peace. And so they're trying to uh, make up for the, the devastation they caused in the past. John is being asked, who are you? And, 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 and they begin to ask him, they begin to interrogate him. He said, okay, I, I know what you're really asking me. He said, let me go ahead and answer the unasked question. I am not the Messiah. I am not the Christ. I know that's what you want to know. You want to know if I am the Messiah or if I think I am the Messiah. See, not only are they asking John who he is, they're also asking John 
who he thinks himself to be. You do understand that if John says, I'm the Messiah, that doesn't automatically mean everybody goes, oh, okay, he's the Messiah. Well, good to meet you, Brother Messiah. No, no, not necessarily. As a matter of fact, it would probably cause even more antagonism. But they want to know if he thinks he is the Messiah. And if he's teaching these people, he's the Messiah. You can be sure that there are some people who are presuming because of the massive nature of the impact that John is making. There are people who are presuming, oh, he must be the Messiah because they've been looking for him. You know, They've been looking for the Christ. They've been looking for the long-awaited anointed one who's going to liberate Israel and restore and, and, and restructure the nation. And so you can be sure that John the Baptist is being viewed through that uh, messianic lens because because almost anybody in those days who rose up and did something uh, substantial was being viewed as a possible candidate for being the Messiah. You see it? So we stated last week, and I'm going to continue to state it, I think maybe even week before last, and I'll state it again, that one of the things that that is critical for an individual to um, grasp in order to, to, to know his assignment is for him or her to know what the assignment is not. John says, I have not been assigned to Messiahship. That's not my assignment. So you all can take it easy. Then they begin to uh, ask, are you Elijah? Are you that prophet? And he answered, no. Then said they unto him, who art thou that we may give an answer to them that sent us? Now look at the last sentence in verse 22 because it verifies what I just told you, that they're not so much asking him to inform them of who he is, but inform them of who he considers himself to be. Look at this last sentence. What sayest thou of thyself? What sayest thou of thyself? What do you think of you? And he says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah, that is Isaiah. And so one of the critical aspects of knowing what one's assignment is, is to discover or to determine what one's assignment is not and to be accepting of that. John, as we stated, is a wonderful example, John the Baptist, of that individual who knows his assignment. Number one, he knows his sender, know my sender. Number two, know myself. In other words, in order to know one's assignment, one is to know his or her sender. That is God. God sent you into the earth. Your parents brought you, but God sent you, all right, to know myself. Apostle Coleman, good to see you, sir. To know myself. Thirdly, to know my superior. That is, in the case of John, well, let's back up, to know himself. John knows, and his parents, I'm sure, taught him that, that God had sent him, number one, to be Yohanan, Jehovah is gracious, God is gracious. I told you that that had three applications. Number one, in order for them to be able 
to uh, bring forth a child, it was nothing but the grace of God. Number two, uh, the nature of God is graciousness. He's going to testify of that. But number three, most significantly, his life is going to usher the world from the era of the law into the era of grace, grace and truth. And so his name has at least a tripartite significance concerning who he is. Then thirdly, knowing his superior. Well, Jesus is his superior because the Bible says that he said his immediate superior. He says that um, there standeth uh, one among you whom you know not, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He says, I I'm not worthy to lose his shoes. I'm not worthy to carry his shoes. He's my superior. He's my instructor. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in the third chapter of Matthew, when Jesus showed up at the River Jordan, he gave John a directive. He gave John a directive, and that directive is that John would baptize him. The Bible says in the third chapter of Matthew, verse 13, then cometh Jesus from Galilee unto John to be baptized of him. We don't know if Jesus said, baptize me, John, or or, or what, or whether he just got in the baptismal line. Uh, but the Bible says that he came to be baptized. That means it was his intent. He didn't stumble into the water. It was his intent uh, to be baptized of John. And the Bible said John forbade him. That is that John said, no, no, I have need to be baptized of thee and comest thou to me. Then Jesus spoke and said, suffer it to be so now. In other words, his superior gave him a directive that he did not understand. His superior gave him a directive that made him uncomfortable. Uncomfortable because he knew he was not qualified. He knew that in himself, he was not qualified. However, when one superior gives one a directive, and that directive does not contradict ethics, it does not contradict principle, then it becomes evident that that superior sees something in you that you don't even see in yourself. And so Jesus tells John, suffer it to be so now. Suffer it. It's an imperative. I command you to let it be so now. He said, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. He said, if you do what I'm telling you to do together, we will fulfill the mind of God. My God, we could stay right there. Did you hear what Jesus said? Jesus said, John, I need for you to follow my instruction because there is a fulfillment of the plan of God that has to take place. And I can't do it by myself. Somebody has to cooperate with me. And so even though the position that I'm giving you in this assignment is uncomfortable for you, he said, thus it becometh us. It's not about you. It's about us fulfilling God's purpose. When you have a man or woman who speaks the mind of God based upon the word of God, witnessed by the spirit of God, concerning instruction for you. Understand that it's not merely about you. It's about us. Jesus said, thus it becometh us 
to fulfill all righteousness. My, 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 I wish I had the time because I'd love to take you to the book of Daniel chapter nine, because in the book of Daniel chapter nine, Daniel said that when the Messiah comes, he will bring in everlasting righteousness. He will bring in everlasting right standing with God. <clears throat> he will bring in the opportunity for human beings to eternally, to perpetually have right standing, restore, restoration to fellowship with God. He said that this is what's going to happen when Messiah comes. Now, this is Daniel. Well, Gabriel speaking to Daniel in the ninth chapter of the book of Daniel. Jesus is the fulfillment of Gabriel's prophecy to Daniel, the 70 weeks prophecy. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. But Jesus tells John the Baptist that there's a prophecy over my life. There's a prophecy over this nation, but that prophecy cannot be activated until you collaborate, until you cooperate with me to bring in, Lord, I bless your name, everlasting righteousness, because this is what comes after the everlasting righteousness is brought in. This is what happens after the everlasting righteousness is brought in, the Bible says the bringing in of everlasting righteousness, listen, and then the anointing of the most holy. The anointing of the most holy. Well, now Jesus is the most holy, but there must be the bringing in of everlasting righteousness now to fulfill this next piece, the anointing of the most holy. Let's go to the book of Daniel chapter nine. Uh, very, very quickly, I just want you to see it. Because the emphasis is not Daniel's 70th week. The emphasis is John must fulfill his assignment even at the expense of his not understanding why the assignment is taking him the way that it's taking him. Uh, the ninth chapter of the book of Daniel. There it is, chapter 9, verse 24. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon that holy city to finish the transgression. See, Jesus is going to do all of this. Finish the transgression. What did Jesus say on the cross just before he died? Second to the last thing. It is finished. To make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity. Second Timothy, Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 18, 19, 20, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their transgressions unto them and a trespasses unto them and have given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, let's go on. And to bring in, there it is, to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy. And then here it is, and to anoint the most holy. And so John must collaborate with Jesus. John must collaborate with Jesus because in order for Jesus to bring in everlasting righteousness, he said, thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In order for him to bring in everlasting righteousness, he can't do it by himself. He needs a partner. He needs someone who will now this seal up again, fulfill the vision and prophecy. Obviously that's Jesus. And we could go deeper. We could even talk about the anointing, what that entailed, but, but we won't try to do that. 
let's just deal with the fact that John in obeying Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy that was given by God to Daniel somewhere like 500 plus years prior. Can you see that? Thank God. Thank God. So when you begin to carry out the part of the assignment, your assignment, you can actually be helping to bring to fulfillment a prophetic word that has gone out even in generations before. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You may be ministering in a neighborhood where everything has gone down and the expectation of the people is that it will never become anything healthy, wholesome again. But there's a prophecy over that region that it will flourish. There's a prophecy over that region that little children will be playing in the streets unencumbered, unafraid. There's a prophecy over that region that the word of the Lord is going to go forth from it. There's a prophecy over that region that prosperity, even economic prosperity, shall reign in that region. And if that be the case, you cannot afford to fold your wings. You cannot afford to uh, hang your head. You must go forward in your assignment because in fulfilling your assignment, there is the bringing to pass of the prophecy over that region, over that city over that family, over that person. Can you believe that? I can believe it. I can believe it. He said, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? He said, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Rivers in the desert. Know my sender, know myself, know my superior. Then know my skills, know my skills. This is where we were last time. He's prophet John, not Jesus now. John is our example in this instance. He's our prophet, our teacher, or a prophet, a teacher, a baptizer. The word Baptist means baptizer. Know his skills. That is, know his, his gift set. I use the word skills because I want to be consistent with the S's. Uh, but yeah, uh, know his gift set. He's a prophet. If John is a prophet, that means he is to proclaim the mind of God. He is to proclaim the mind of God. And notice that John prophesies using the words the written words of the prophets of scripture. Now, this is no disrespect to anyone who prophesies because I prophesy myself. I believe it's biblical and uh, I follow that. However, notice that John, whom Jesus called the greatest among those born of woman, noticed, noticed that when John prophesied, he based his prophecy in the written word of God. He didn't base his prophecy on tongues. He didn't have access to tongues to base his prophecy upon it. He did not base his prophecy 
upon anything else other than the will of God as confirmed by and established by the written word of God. He said, I am what Isaiah prophesied. Your prophecy must be based on the written, rightly divided word of God. Anything that you speak spontaneously, anything that you speak ecstatically, anything that you speak extemporaneously, you say you got that from God, that's good. But if, if your ecstatic utterance, if your word of knowledge, word of wisdom, deserting of spirits, if your prophecy, if your tongues, interpretation of tongues, anything verbal, anything revelatory and or verbal that you say comes from God, if it does not concur with the written, right divided word of God, it's not God. It's not God. Okay, how wonderful it sounds. I don't even care how accurate it is. It's still not God. The devil knows some facts. It's just that he can't tell the truth. So the fact that you've got accurate information, that doesn't necessarily mean that the source of that information is not demonic. And many times we've got people who um, who get really excited about the facts, but they haven't checked the source. They haven't, they haven't checked the source. And so he, he is a prophet. That is, he's a proclaimer. He's a revelatory proclaimer of the mind of God, uh, a revealer of the mind of God. He is, he is uh, also a teacher. I love that Luke chapter uh, three, where we get a chance to listen to John do a little teaching because the people whom he baptized, he's baptizing them unto repentance. And so when he baptizes them unto repentance, that means they've got to do something. Matter of fact, he said, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. That is, he said, he said uh, in the third chapter of Matthew in the eighth verse, we're going to Luke 3. He said, um, remember the fruit is the doings. He said, if you claim that you're changing, if you claim that you're turning to God, let your doings testify. But yeah, he, he preaches, he teaches rather in Luke uh, 3. He, he says to the people in verses 10 and 11, he said, uh, he that has two coats, impart to him that have none. He that have meat, let him do likewise. Or in other words, be generous, be kind, be concerned about others. Then in uh, verse 12, the publicans came and he gave them instruction. In verse 14, the soldiers came and he gave them instructions. And so he was a teacher. And then thirdly, he was a baptizer. He was a baptizer. Um, he actually aided the people in testifying that they were leaving one life and going into another life, that they were leaving their allegiance to Satan and that they were turning to God. Those were the gifts. Those were the abilities those were the properties, those were the skills that God gave to John the Baptist in order that he might fulfill his assignment, that he might fulfill his assignment.
there were some things that I said in the first session that I haven't gotten to uh, in this session. Um, the main thing is that item five is know my service, know my sender, know myself, know my superior, know my skills. And I, I actually wanted to talk further about the prophet. There are, there are several terms in the Bible in the Old Testament translated prophet. There's one main one in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, there are three. Still, one is main, but there are several that are significant. And 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 um, I wanted to talk about them just a little bit, uh, but um, uh, and and then I wanted to talk about what we shared in the first session. I mentioned that in the first session that I used to downplay, well, underestimate the value of John the Baptist's ministry. Uh, I did not, after all, it wasn't as spectacular and dramatic as some of the others, the Elijahs, the Davids. And so I sort of, you know, he baptized Jesus, but that was about it, you know. Uh, but but I did not understand, and, and part of it is just through growth, just growing and living and understanding some things, that John the Baptist ministry was of pivotal significance because John the Baptist prepared a nation to receive Jesus Christ to the extent that, that it did. John the Baptist prepared a whole nation for the coming of Messiah, which was the great prophecy of the Old Testament. The greatest prophecy of the Old Testament is that Messiah is coming to redeem. And God used this young man that was not supposed to have been born of his old parents. In other words, he, he was an unlikely one. That sound familiar? He, he shouldn't have been where he was. Yet God used him to prepare the nation for the coming of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. And then secondly, of course, he prepared the nation for Jesus. And then in a real sense, he prepared Jesus for the nation. Because again, this baptism was not something optional. It was necessary. He was able to present the nation to Jesus ready. And he was able to present Jesus to the nation ready because he fulfilled his assignment. And the thing about it is, uh, the ministry of Jesus, <clears throat> the ministry of Jesus, as effective and successful as it was, would not have been as effective or as successful had not John prepared the atmosphere with his prophetic preaching, with his prophetic declaration, thundering concerning repentance. He built up the expectations of the people. He built up the hopes and the anticipation and even the fears of those that were outside the will of God. Ladies and gentlemen, all of that was necessary. The Jesus revival was able to flame on because the John the Baptist revival had prepared the way. Did you hear what I said to you? As a matter of fact, so pivotal, so pivotal was the ministry of John the Baptist as a preparer of the way for the Lord Jesus Christ that the first 
followers, literal followers, tag along behind. The first documented followers of Jesus Christ were members of John the Baptist's own entourage. John the Baptist was the one who pointed at Jesus on that day and said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the Bible says that Andrew and another unnamed disciple of John followed Jesus and said, Master, where dwellest thou? And Jesus said, come and see. Andrew never left Jesus. From that day, Andrew became a follower of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, as it were, gave Jesus two of his charter members. Gave Jesus at least one of the two members of his board. He's so prepared. And listen to me. If you don't think that the contribution of Andrew to Jesus' circle is critical, you need to understand that Andrew is the brother of Peter. And the Bible says that after Andrew had spent the day with Jesus, Andrew went back and got his brother, who at the time was named Simon only, all right, and said, we found the Messiah and brought Simon to meet Jesus. Now, Simon didn't stay. But Peter's very first encounter with Jesus was made possible because his brother's first encounter with Jesus was made possible because John the Baptist pointed him out saying, behold, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist was the spokesperson of the apostles. All right. The earliest member of the disciples circle that is named came as a result, direct result of John obeying God and fulfilling his assignment. Who have you brought into the circle? That's a side journey right there. Who have you brought in that is of value to the kingdom of God? To the work of the kingdom. We're all valuable. Isn't that something? All right. Uh, the atmosphere that's where I really need to go and stay, but but time won't permit. I just encourage you to go back and uh, and listen to the uh, first session. Oh my goodness, my goodness! I hope you've been edified today. Lord, teach me my assignment. What is my assignment? In order to know my assignment, I must know my sender know myself, know my superior, know my skills. I wanted to talk about the prophet. I wanted to talk about those three Hebrew terms, primary terms for prophet, Nabi, Roe, and Jose. All three of them have a significance that translates into the local, uh, the body of Christ, rather, the New Testament church. The Nabi, prophetic flow, the the Roe prophetic flow, and then the Kose prophetic flow, because all of those speak of ways that the Spirit of God moves in the life of the believer, bringing forth the revelatory insight as you fulfill your assignment. Are you saying I'm a prophet, Brother Blue? Uh, not exactly, but but Yes. <laughs> How is it possible, Brother Blue, to say not exactly, but yes, because the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10 that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. 
If you have the Holy Ghost living within you, if you have the Spirit of God living within you, then you will speak and you will do that which proclaims and reveals the mind of God, which is Jesus Christ. And so in that very general sense, though you may not be called to the fivefold ministry gift of prophet, yes, all of God's people operate and flow in a prophetic impulse. It shall come to pass in the last days, wrote Joel, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall all be prophets? Not necessarily. Shall prophesy? Most definitely. Moses made a request to God. He said all oh, that, well, actually, oh, he, he said it uh, in a wistful kind of manner, but, but, but God took him up on it. Moses said, uh, oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that he would put his spirit within them. Hallelujah. Excuse me. No, excuse me. But we're not preaching. He said, oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that he would put his spirit uh, within them or upon them. God answered that wish 1,500 plus years later on the day of Pentecost. All of God's people received his spirit and began to prophesy. Well, our time has come and gone. Thank you for yours. Until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, prophetic kingdom professionals, kingdom prophetic professionals. That's you. <laughs> That's right. That's you. If you are a kingdom professional, you are prophetic. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to tell somebody what's going to happen tomorrow at 5 o'clock p.m. I don't necessarily mean that. But God will give you solutions. God will give you interpretations and, 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 and the resolving of issues. And God will give you deep insight into his purpose and plan. And he'll give you methods for getting people out of binds. And he'll give you answers to hard questions because that's a part of your prophetic heritage. You are a prophetic professional. Kingdom professional includes prophetic professional because everything in the kingdom is prophetic. Until we meet again, this is Michael Blue encouraging you to go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan ever more brief and ever more miserable. Together, we are determined to bring pleasure to Christ's heart and fame to his name. Until we meet again at the appointed time, may the peace of God go with you. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.